Welcome. This is Crime Noir, a true crime podcast telling our stories. And I'm your host, Candace, and this is Case 17, The Disappearance of Asani Campbell. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of Crime Noir. Today, the case I'm covering was a listener suggestion, and I'd like to give a shout out to my Instagram follower, All Eyes On Me 916, for getting me hip to this case. I had never ever heard of this case, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys didn't either because it barely received media attention. And before I get started, I just want to say that. I won't be covering too many more children this year. It's kind of taxing to read about um, hearing like little kids being murdered or raped or anything like that. So I'm going to be taking a little hiatus from covering children for the rest of the year. And I hope you guys understand. So before I start today's episode, I'd like to give a trigger warning that this episode doesn't feature explicit language. However, it does feature violence against children, which to me is adult content. So listener discretion is advised. So Hassani Campbell was a five-year-old boy who disappeared from Oakland, California on August 10th, 2009. And so he's been missing for a little over 10 years. He was last seen wearing a gray sweatshirt, gray pants, a white arch support braces with Spider-Man logos. Hassani is disabled and he has cerebral palsy. He can walk, but isn't really able to jump or run. At the time of his disappearance, he was enrolled at an elementary school called James Leach. Um, He has brown hair, brown eyes, and he speaks with a lisp. So Hassani was in foster care since December 2008. And this is because his biological mother had a substance abuse problem and also health problems. It was reported that Hassani's father, Louis, and his aunt, Jennifer, were making great strides in the legal system to adopt Hassani before he disappeared. Child and Family Services saw no red flags regarding Louis and Jennifer adopting Hassani, as they appeared to be very attentive and loving foster parents. Hassani was last seen in Rockridge District of Oakland, California, around 4.15 p.m. on August 10, 2009. His foster father, Louis, said that the last time he saw him, Louis had left Hassani outside his 2002 BMW in the back parking lot of a shoe store. This occurred on College Avenue. During this time, Louis was allegedly transporting Hassani and his one-year-old sister, Aaliyah, to Jennifer. Jennifer was the manager of the shoe store that they were going to. Louis then took Aaliyah and went to unlock the store door. By the time he got back to the vehicle, Hassani was gone. Where did he go? A search began, but investigators quickly realized that Hassani would not have left by himself. Him being disabled wouldn't like allow him to travel that far that quickly by himself. Immediately after he disappeared, Lewis's BMW was impounded and Aaliyah was removed and placed into custody. Several search warrants were conducted on Lewis and Jennifer's house on Roxy Terrence in Fairmont, California. Lewis also agreed to take a polygraph test, which he failed. It should be noted that polygraphs cannot be used in the court of law, and people who aren't even lying sometimes fail them. 
Jennifer also refused to take the polygraph test. Her reason for not wanting to take the test was that she was pregnant and was scared that taking the test would affect her baby. Yeah, sure, Jan. Now, this makes zero sense to me because how can a polygraph test affect your baby? Maybe the stress of the test, but that really doesn't pass the smell test to me, and I'm not buying Jennifer's account. Now, if you don't want to take a lie detector, that's your priority. It's probably not, not wise to do so, but again, her reason for not doing so doesn't make sense to me. Lewis and Jennifer had a very tumultuous relationship. There was numerous reports of domestic violence between the couple. So this wasn't a healthy um, relationship between these two. So I don't know why CPS thought that this was a good family, but they don't really sound like good individuals. But let's continue. Lewis was not particularly happy about raising a disabled child. And on one instance, he left Hassani and Aaliyah home alone while he went to the bank. Mind you, Hassani was five, Aaliyah was one. Completely unacceptable. And on July 31st, a little under two weeks before Hassani disappeared, Lewis sent Jennifer a text in which he wanted to leave Hassani on a Bay Area rapid transit train, aka the BART train, by himself, just to abandon the child. When confronted with this information, Lewis' justification was that he was angry at Jennifer and used Hassani as a tool to aggravate Jennifer. Police didn't really buy this account either, me either, y'all. Because how does this make sense? How does a child allegedly in the middle of a busy area with tons of people just vanish? And he's disabled. He can hardly walk as it is. Come on now, y'all. It don't make sense. And also to add, canines were put on the scene to track Hassani's scent at the site and weren't able to find anything. No scent, no nothing. Hmm, what does that tell y'all? It should be noted that neighbors of Lewis and Jennifer said they hadn't seen Hassani since two weeks before his disappearance actually happened. Authorities indicated that the last time anyone else saw Hassani was actually on August 6th, and that was at Walmart. 18 days after Hassani disappeared on August 28th, Lewis and Jennifer were arrested on suspicious of murder. However, both were shortly released as there wasn't enough evidence to file charges against them. To this day, both of them claim they are innocent, but still remain the prime suspects in his disappearance. And the police are no longer actually searching for Hassani as they don't even know where to actually look for him, which is completely sad to me. And we'll talk about that a little later. Lewis and Jennifer continued to maintain that he was abducted from Oakland. However, police believe that they killed him. And personally, you guys, I believe that too. And let's just jump into some theories. Let's get to it. Unfortunately, I believe Hassani was murdered. I believe that Lewis didn't want the responsibility and task of raising a disabled child, but likely still wanted the check that comes associated with having a foster child and a disabled child. I think it was too much for him, and I think that he was selfish and maybe like accidentally beat the child too hard or some kind of freak accident and ended up getting freaked out and disposing of the body. I genuinely believe that. I don't ever think that Hassani was at the shoe store parking lot. I feel that that was a diversion tactic by Lewis. It was a busy area and no one saw anything, no customers, no passer buyers. It just doesn't sound right to me, y'all. I believe he was killed at another location and then they created a story later on to cover their tracks. This story remains one of San Francisco's biggest mysteries. 
It's been featured on various shows such as Nancy Grace. However, the case remains cold and no recent information has been of use. According to reports, the parents aren't actively looking for them. Usually when a child goes missing, the parents do almost anything to get awareness, exposure for their child, but Lewis and Jennifer have not. So that's also another red flag to me. Doesn't pass the smell test. You're looking a little guilty. Most of the fundraising, the awareness has done been done by the community and not his foster parents. So just going to end it on that note. And as always, if you have any information that could help bring Hassani home, please contact Oakland Police Department at 510-238-3821. And let's get into some noir news. So my first story today is about a man by the name of Michael Ivory Collins, and he was convicted this week of the violent murder and dismemberment of two children and then eventually killing their mother. According to News Report, Michael and his half-brother, William Alexander, traveled to Little Rock to go to the house of Mariah Cunningham in December 2017. Once these losers arrived to her house... William held down Mariah while his worthless brother murdered her two babies. He stabbed baby Aliyah Fisher, I'm sorry if I'm saying her name wrong, who was just five years old. He stabbed her 20 times before attempting to saw off her head. He then went and killed her four-year-old brother Elijah Fisher by stabbing them and decapitating him, all while making their mother watch. Then these weirdos killed her and left. They stole a TV, an Xbox, and stole Mariah's Honda Accord, but then eventually ditched the car after they discovered the power stirring was broken. Their bodies were discovered by Mariah's 78-year-old grandmother after she went to check on them after her phone calls were unanswered. The police found bleach on the bodies and a steak knife, which they concluded was the murder weapon. There were no witnesses, but they were able to determine the perpetrators by DNA. Also, Michael confessed to his cellmate that he had killed everyone because he went to Mariah's house with the intent to get money from her. When she refused, he said he had to punish her. You guys, this is by far the most, one of the most disgusting stories I've ever heard in my life. And it's also another reason why I am on a no children ban because this is just a level of evil I cannot fathom and I hope um, they get the death penalty if that state has the death penalty instituted and I truly genuinely mean it these people need to be locked up forever they need to be locked up in horrible conditions for doing something so evil and vile over money it's disgusting it's an abomination it's horrible. And you know what? My next story is just as equally disgusting. So I'm sorry that I've just went into horrible territory, but these stories deserve to be told. So let's just jump to the next one. A man by the name of Jason Roger Pope admitted that he may have sex trafficked 700 black women and girls. He's currently in South Carolina prison for the following charges. Promoting the prostitution of a minor, kidnapping, three counts of trafficking people, and criminal sexual conduct with a minor in the second degree. Investigators allege Pope solicited a person under 18 for sex trafficking. 
warrants say that he was arrested on August 29th and after he forced four minor girls to perform sex acts for money. And this story gets worse. He has AIDS. So he got AIDS and gave it to a 13-year-old victim. So yeah, and it is a crime to infect or expose somebody to HIV or AIDS if you know it. So he hasn't currently been charged with that crime, but that just adds the icing on the cake to me. And this loser also bragged about it on his Facebook page, which is still up if anybody's curious. I'm not posting the content on my show notes, but if you look for it, it's there. And he wrote a Facebook status talking about, I'm 36 with 693 bodies and they're all black females. What about you? So yeah, just a disgusting lowlife. And sadly, sex trafficking affects African-Americans at a higher numbers. Essence reported 40% of victims of human trafficking are African-Americans. So yes, guys, our community is at risk and I'm so happy this loser is off the street. And if you have any information regarding this case, please contact the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division at 866-472-8477. And that wraps up today's show. I appreciate you guys for listening to me. Follow me on Instagram at Crime Noir the Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at CrimeX Noir. And if you have any case suggestions, feel free to shoot me a DM. I love talking to y'all. And I appreciate you guys for listening to me and supporting me. I've been my numbers have increased a lot lately. So I appreciate you guys sharing and subscribing. And I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>